Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, coming to you from the Bristol Old Vic, uh, where there are very strange sounds in the dressing room. There are pipes overhead, there's clicking, there's all sorts of interference, so I don't know, I hope that you can hear me loud and clear as usual. This is episode 50. 50! I can't quite believe it. Um... It's great. The, the, today uh, I've got a special episode for you. It's a doubleheader, the only doubleheader we've had since the 25th, which was the live episode with Johnny McKnight and Anita Vitesse, which is still available online. Today my guests are Scott Gilmore and Claire McKenzie, the composing and writing duo who brought us recently My Left Right Foot and are currently working on the most exciting sounding project for a while. It's My Name is Ben, which um, I really wish I'd got a chance to see the development of. You'll hear more about it in the episode. Um, I spoke to them just a few days ago. And uh, today is our maybe, I think it's our third day here at Bristol Old Vic. We're bringing Twelfth Night to the people of Bristol and we preview uh, tonight and open for the press tomorrow night. So uh, still a fair bit of work to do today, technical things. Uh, It's early in the morning and it's about time to get into costume and start it all again. Uh, So it's been a tiring couple of days, but we're getting there. And uh, it's funny to do it, you know, have a, have a week away from it and then come back and do the show, you know, in a different place, change it a little bit, same show, I don't know, it's weird, it's all weird. Um, but it's nice, it's nice to see everybody again, you get so close with people and you, know, you take a break and you come back and it's like seeing old friends, I mean we've only known each other for a few weeks, it's funny how, how that goes, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, an overwhelming response as well uh, over the last couple of days, just for the podcast in general, um, on, on Twitter and things, and also people still kind of talking quite openly uh, and kindly about the the mental health aspect of the podcast, which is kind of growing naturally, and um, it's not a deliberate push for me, but, um, you know, we talk about what we talk about, and it doesn't necessarily feature in every episode, but recently it's been a, a bit of a highlight, and it seems to speak to people, so that's great. I'm really pleased about that, and thank you for feeding back to me and telling me your thoughts, and you, even, you know, people are telling me their personal experiences of um, maintaining their mental health within their arts practice and things, which is great. So let's hear more of that. Um, if you're not following me on Twitter, it's pitccpod, and you can also drop me a line, of course, brian at puttingittogethercast.com. That website is where all the archives are, but of course you can find them wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any um, Android uh, app that you should find. It's all there, um, but it's also on the website, just so you know. So thank you for, for the responses to the recent episodes. This is the 50th, as I say, which means that for some of you, this is the 50th one you've heard, because I know that there are people who've listened since the start. Um, and if you've not, of course, you can go back and you can hear them all. They're all available. Um, and it's funny because I, I start working with people that I've previously interviewed uh, before I ever worked with them. I mean, for example, I'm working with Don Sivrate at the moment. We did an interview uh, way back uh, months ago, and uh, now we're working together. And you know, we're, I, I kind of had that thought of, oh, it wouldn't be wouldn't it be great to interview Dawn? I was watching her work, uh, and then I realised, oh, I did already. But at some point, I suppose uh, it's going to come back round, and people are going to come on the show again. I'd love that because people do different stuff, and you know, there's loads of people that I've had on the show in the past that are already doing you know, have done 14 other things that I'm really interested in talking to them about. So I feel like, you know, let's get them back on the show. We're nearly a year in. The first episode dropped on the 1st of November last year, and today's the 17th of October. So that means we're very close to the year, of course, Um, which is, I I find it hard to believe, but um, it's great. I just keep plugging on, and hopefully uh, I'm blessed with, with 
enough projects to keep going and keep meeting people that I want to interview and uh, keep getting the positive responses from them when they say, yes, I'll sit down with you for an hour, which is, you know, which is kind of people and many, many people have given up their time to do it. So long may it continue. Um, today's episode, as I've said, features Scott Gilmore and Claire McKenzie. We're talking about writing, the process of writing as a collaborative art. How do you work on other people's material when you're so involved in writing your own? Um, the different work they've done over the, on their own stuff and on other people's stuff. Yep, all that stuff. Um, it was great to talk to them because I enjoyed my left, right foot so much, as you know. Um, I'm fascinated by this idea of my name is Ben, a true story about a, uh, an unusual character, let's say, um, in New York City that they read about in the paper and just decided to, to make into a, you know, a musical story. So they're off to the States with that and it's been developed up at Dundee as well. And uh, yeah, it sounds really exciting. They've got a great zest for the work and uh, it comes across, I think, and they, and they really know what they're talking about, which also reads very clearly. So uh, I'm off to put my costume on. I'll leave you in the capable hands of Scott Gilmore and Claire McKenzie and, of course, me, and we are putting it together. Collectively, you're a noisemaker. We are, yes. And individually, we are. I'm Claire McKenzie. And I'm Scott Gilmore. And now you have, we were talking before and you said, I'm Claire McKenzie and I write music sometimes. Aye. It's a thing, isn't it, that we, how we try and describe what we do. Yeah. What is your description of what you do, Claire? Oh, I mean, I think I'm, I'm a composer um, predominantly um, and I sometimes musical direct when I need to. But really, it's just whatever each show kind of calls for um, on the music side of things, you kind of get stuck in with all all parts of it, usually. Yeah. yeah. So you studied to be what? A musical director? A composer, first of all. Oh, right. Yeah, so, so my undergrad um, uh, was four years of composition and then I decided to go from the music school downstairs to the drama school at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. Downstairs. Lower. Yes. Yeah, Lower. Let's not forget that. You actually have to go under. Like you have to go down. <laughs> yeah. You need to be demoted. Let's not forget like. that. Yeah. Um, and then I did a, a year um, a master's in musical direction. Right. Um, which was great for me because it kind of introduced me into theatre and I think that's that's what led me into composing specifically for theatre. And all the while you were at the drama, you were down in the basement. I was Scott. yeah, eternally in the basement. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I started studying uh, when Claire was doing her uh, master's. So I, I did a BA in musical theatre. Right. Um, yeah, I did three years in the basement and I met, I met Claire during her, her dark year down there. Yeah. <laughs> right, and did you get paired together by somebody specifically or did it just happen? I was kind of your musical director for, for quite a oh. few projects and I even I think we had some rep sessions. You used to come and used to always sing out there. It's a great um, song. It's a great song. It's a Classic. Great song. You find something that works, you keep exactly. keep going. It. Don't yeah. change you've, it you know, if you've got it. You've got a cast in the bracket, Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> You stick to it. It's the first thing I thought when I met you. <laughs> I think that's how destined. we met, though. Yeah. So you had to accompany and yeah. you know help coach or whatever. Yeah. We yeah did some coaching and um yeah MD'd some of your productions. And we were we were friends. We were friends. Oh yeah. At one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Not right, anymore. And now, no, it's gone so <laughs> Not anymore. Six years later. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> we're firmly unacquainted. <laughs> but at some point, you must have been writing something, and what happened? You said I need some lyrics, or these lyrics I'm writing aren't very good, or what? Actually, it was all Scott's fault, to be honest. How it all started. Um, he signed us up for a for a writing project that was part of your undergrad degree. Yeah, it was kind of towards the end of my. Hold uh, on, hold on, one second. Oh yeah. 
the trouble is we keep looking at each you're other you're looking at each other Do all the time we keep looking at each other so, so we're looking away from the light so you can cheat it a wee bit because we get side on to these mics. no man I see I see clear enough it's fine oh yeah that, that yeah but that was pointing a bit I go like that I just it's just to know when you're going to talk and not mm-hmm. I know it's hard sorry no it's um, good, it's good. can you pick that wee thing up again yeah, yeah of, course, of course of um, yeah so it was in my it was in my third year there was a project that was with kind of it was between the uh, RCS and the Arches at the time. They mm. were doing like, uh, it was on the verge that, that was on at the Arches. And uh, I just had an idea for a, a show that I thought me and Claire should write. I didn't tell Claire that. And I submitted the idea and they, <gasps> they kind of went for it. So then I had to phone Claire and say, do you want to write a musical? And uh, so we did, yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of where we started. Um, so you'd you'd already left by that point. Yes. Yeah, and I'm a little bit older than you. Now, why yeah. would you not tell her? Because you thought that she wouldn't go for it. Um, I think we were both really busy. I remember we were actually doing a produ- production of um, the Threepenny Opera at the mm-hmm. time. Um, so the idea of trying to write a musical in your spare evenings, oh. I, I think, wasn't well, didn't feel too possible. So, but Scott doesn't. Um, you know, it doesn't take anything lightly and just sign us up anyway. <laughs> right. So you think, oh, we can do that in our evenings, whatever. Yeah, I was like, uh, no, it's one of those, oh, you know, you get, it, we're, we're totally in like that kind of cursed profession of going like when an opportunity sort of approaches you, you're like, I've got to, got yeah, to try it, right? Say no. I've got to just send the application, <laughs> I've got to just do the thing. So it was one, it was definitely just one of those things. It was like a deadline was in a day or so and I was like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll see what happens and send it away and then, uh, yeah, we, we got chosen for it, so we ended up doing our first piece together as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Opportunity taken right there. Perfect. And then, so what happens? Did, did you instantly find a way of working together or did you have to try different methods? Oh, yeah, it was a, it was a total um, back and forward. To begin with, I was so intimidated by Claire. I mean, I still am. But I was, <laughs> I was, pr- I was particularly in- intimidated by her just because, like... Um, that you know that working with the comp- composers are, are they're odd they're odd <laughs> creatures and you they, you know they've got they've got stuff they've got stuff so you need to negotiate that and stuff. also oh because you don't have the, stuff no no <laughs> oh please no it's like it's like the i think it's like a sort of mystic art like the word composer feels like it's from you mm. know days of your past yeah do you know what i mean like so it, so that was something like when we were when we started working together it was a also had never written like I'd never written lyric before and uh, I'd never written like song structure and stuff before so when we I think now when we look back on that first piece it was uh how how the how the songs were structured and how we used song it's ch- has changed a lot since then but um mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was a song cycle actually so I think right. what I've lived over the past six or seven years is um just seeing Scott kind of growing confidence and like and and uh, looking back on that first project that was uh, a song cycle and then we did our next one and it had a little bit more book and now I think um it's so equal and I, th- I love that development of our work mm-hmm. so do you write book together now no it's all well, well it's always story together yeah we'll talk through the story and the idea and um, usually we'll talk through the scene and what the song will do in the scene and right. um, but Oh my goodness! I couldn't write words. <laughs> um, oh, I see. You're so I have to hand that. over. Yeah, right, I just okay. do the notes. <laughs> but then over time, you've gone on to work with other people collaborating. So other people writing book, 
even more recently other people writing songs in a show that you've written songs for yeah, yeah. and I get, it's that thing though of like it, uh, i suppose it's sort of uh, it's like the blessing and the curse of like what you do is that the, the that joy of like collaborating with other with other artists and other writers and other creatives and actually it completely affects the outcome of the of the thing or the story that you're mm. trying to tell and i guess the this has been probably the first year we've ever worked with other either another book writer or another songwriter on the same project mm -hmm. and it's uh it, it, it just like it makes you go okay right what can i bring in terms of my skills and what have you got in terms of yours how do we negotiate that how do we use that to benefit the piece as opposed to stepping on each other's toes you yeah. know yeah um but so it's like it's all it's it, it's always challenging writing by committee you know the more people who are on a project the more of that you have to do um but i think it was good for us this year to kind of experience that we've done two or three projects uh this year where we've where we've had um others in the writing team um and yeah and i just think it's such a different process and a different and and at the moment, we're now back to uh, pretty much being the two of us for the next few uh, projects we're working on. And that's also exciting to be back uh, doing what we do. Yeah, because I guess you have a, a rhythm that you've developed over a long time. Yeah. I think that's it, though. You get, um, I suppose, like, as, like, being, like a, like, a kind of writing partner, you do have shorthand. But you develop that with anyone, I suppose, like, mm -hmm. whether it's uh like if you're an actor that works with an, another actor a lot you just develop a shorthand whether it's with a, a director or whatever and i think you you sometimes feel yourself when when we've been collaborating with with other people in our in our writing team you start to go oh yeah we definitely never talk about that anymore because you just assume, you assume yeah yeah and actually getting a moment to sort of pause and come out and go oh wait why do we assume that we do it that way and, and having mm. it challenged and stuff it may it, it like flusters you a little bit to start with and then you go oh no this is this is all part of it isn't it this is all part of like learning your process and learning your craft and watching other people do theirs yeah well the cage gets rattled doesn't it when you go no but that, that's the way i do things <laughs> i'll just do that leave me alone yeah totally because yeah you, you don't grow you spend so long trying to go like okay this is how i do it and then someone else comes along and does a slightly different or often better job than you and you're like oh <laughs> damn it oh man <laughs> back to the drawing board and then there's habits aren't there i know from writing both i suppose music and lyrics that you when i sit down at the piano i have shapes that my hands go yes. into and then i try and write a song and i go oh this bloody sequence again yes yeah how do you how do you circumnavigate that well that happens to me all the time as yeah. well um I, I remember my uh teacher um at college said remember to try and write beyond your piano skills like you know because it's so you, what yeah. usually happens is you write to the limit of what you can do um naturally and always to yeah he was always trying to remind me to think beyond like my capabilities so that helped um mm -hmm. but yeah I think I mean well it depends on on the project but I think I we we usually make uh, Spotify playlists but to help with um, the different like worlds of the show. So when I'm jumping between, you know, one day writing for, um, you know, some, something completely different, I, yeah. I will try and get myself in the zone sure. and listen to that type of music. So to try and avoid everything sounding the same because you're writing so quickly, it's quite hard to yeah. to write at speed and make sure everything feels different and also original. Yeah, and do you have a similar? experience of, of falling into patterns and using the same stuff over or um i think you again it's sort of similar to to claire in that it's getting your head in the right space like sometimes you'll sit down and 
you know you'd spend a couple of hours and, and you get through to like the end of a section or a scene or an act or whatever it is and come back and read it the next day and be like oh man <laughs> yeah what the hell was that what was i doing what yeah. was that i was it clearly wasn't on the black tea at that moment i was like <laughs> but it, and it is there's something about the headspace being right and the and also just like just where you're at in terms of your your mood what's what your day's been like all that stuff it all just kind of feeds into it and yeah. um mm. so yeah sometimes i find that the patterns start to emerge when you go into a bit more of like a default like like if if you if you're tired or whatever it's that thing if you start to regurgitate stuff from and then mm. the act, it's only when you go back over the the thing you're like mm, no head wasn't in the right place that day mm. so it's like autopilot or something yeah, yeah 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 i find when i write late at night i think at the time i'm a genius yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah especially when it's really late and everything else oh, is quiet yeah, yeah. i think wow I'm a, I'm a delicate genius and then when i look at it the next day i go oh dear me that's no just, one needs to see this this is awful no one needs to see it so people uh Apart from people who were in Dundee recently and saw your latest development of work, which we will get onto and I'm desperate to hear about, the most public thing that you've done recently is My Left Right Foot. Yes. Now, notwithstanding all the questions about the content that we will get to, how did the actual collaboration come about? Uh, so, it kinda, I guess, it, uh, so Robert Softly Gale, uh, who runs Birds of Paradise and who is responsible for all of this. Uh, oh, so he, he gets the blame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just stating that right now. Clear as yeah. possible. Um, so Robert just, uh, he kind of got in touch. I think he'd seen some of our work and I had this idea of what he wanted to make, like a musical. And he was quite clear and he said that that was the form he wanted to do, but but was also quite clear and kind of going, you know, it's the first time I've made one. So uh, we started chatting to him, I guess, to begin yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, about... it was quite a quick turnaround, um, this one. I think we started working um, on it in March and then it was on in August. So really? it was oh very goodness. quick. And I think by the end, just because of the development time that was needed on the script and the score, I think it was... I think it was the last two weeks um, before rehearsal start where we actually wrote about 10 songs. So it was a crazy fast process. So we were really relying on instinct and, and we didn't really have time to get it wrong, which is scary, but um, luckily it came off all right in the end. But <laughs> we didn't know that. Though, we didn't know it was going to yeah. do that. When we, when, uh, like Claire was saying, it was like quite a, a rushed process, but actually because of, like you were saying about, about the the content of the show and 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 what it was that it was saying and all of that stuff actually in hindsight having no time to second guess and no yeah. time to yeah. kind of go oh it's this, like actually just throwing up literally the first idea that comes in and and, and then reworking that in, in either in the room and actually is how the show kind of got born a little bit and again mm. like you were talking earlier about um different ways of collaborating and stuff like that actually had never for us as like a songwriting team had never worked in like su such like a, a speedy way before and it kind of makes you uh it just makes you work different and you yeah. notice your works being different and i and i think it actually on reflection only benefited that piece and kind of where it was coming from and and uh and then the response i suppose it ended up getting yeah i'm glad the end, we didn't like, think too hard yeah i suppose yeah. that the conversation for a piece like that had to be ongoing in the room so it had to be willing to change completely oh and it did uh, throughout those rehearsals i mean yeah. the cast were absolutely brilliant at yeah. that and they kept their eyes on the show and the lyrics and and the script throughout the whole the whole time and they really did form um 
a, a really brilliant production, I think, by the end. And mm. it's kind of all down to them and, and the people in the room working hard. And not, and not it, it wasn't the, the script we ended um, with wasn't the one from day one in rehearsals. It yeah. really did go on a big journey, as did the songs. And that's kind of down to them. Mm. Yeah. So at, at any point, did you did you ever write something and then look at it and go, oh, I don't know. Can we can we actually show anybody this? We might be in trouble <laughs> yeah. here. Oh, like definitely when you're like pitching up to like National Theatre Scotland with a song called Spasticity. It's like, are, is, are we doing that? We're doing this, right? Okay, we're doing this. Um, I think though that the sort of, uh, the, the general feeling was like, well, we made the mistake at the start as well of mm. going, um, Robert was our line. Like he was the one that in our head, it was like, well, you know, Robert will tell us like if it's too far or whatever. Mm. Oh my God, like worst mistake of the entire process because he's like, more, do it more, do it more. And yeah. actually like by the end, we were the ones going, hmm, perhaps we rein this in a little bit. I, I think though the whole, the, overall the whole thing was like, uh, kind of going back to it being s- such a fast process of getting all, getting all of that, that music out was, it was cool to kind of go like, right, being in the right headspace where we were saying like earlier on it's that thing of right we're doing this and and, it, and it's kind of pouring out now so like pouring's the worst word to <laughs> no, use pouring out but you enjoyed writing those kind of <laughs> it was like pouring uh, out though it was rhymes didn't you you enjoyed love a right. comedy rhyme oh me too do you know what i mean and too. actually we had never done much comedy before because i'm not very funny um so <laughs> we hadn't really <laughs> that's funny what you just yeah. said right there i'm not very well into and also like what is funny music as well like i just hadn't hadn't done anything uh, like on. this <laughs> that's funny music yeah and it's been done that. so you can't do it again <laughs> yeah but that was a nice challenge for us wasn't it we, we hadn't made a piece that was just out and out a comedy like yeah. a laugh i mean you're gonna laugh every like 30 seconds or something yeah. so yeah um i thought you did really well with that with the lyrics I found a rhyme for a really pleasing rhyme for Muff, and for me that was like job done. Can what we say it? that? It's actually <laughs> not say that. You want. It was not. It doesn't sound that exciting. It was just enough, but yeah. But it lands. But Louise McCarthy. It sits, sits, you it? give the word Muff to Louise McCarthy, and then she managed to get a triple you know, laugh out of it. She can do a lot with that. Yeah, she like, did. She yeah. extended it. Muff extension. <laughs> It's been good talking. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> that whole thing about going to National Theatre of Scotland and thinking I'll never work again. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. mate. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So there's also within that work, your working life, there's the challenge of working on other people's material, which I suppose once you've got really into writing your own, must be a different thing. Now you've musically directed some pretty high profile stuff since you've been a known writer. Yeah. How does that work? Um. Oh, I mean, I just, I love, I love working with new writing as well, whether it's my own or someone else's and like, and just making something. I also, I love creating something and then kind of handing it over um, and then moving on to, to something else. I think I've always, I've never wanted to be a musical director personally who like plays a big commercial run of a show the, the repetition of that doesn't interest me but the making mm-hmm. of it is is what I love about it so I've, I've worked on quite a few like actor musician projects which I just love because um just working with musicians and kind of handing over that score and making it with them is just I find that really exciting 
so then you do you ever look at other people's writing and, and you must criticize it in your head and think oh i could or i wish i did this or i could have done sometimes a different it, way. i mean if that happens i would i would maybe try and suggest oh could we arrange it in certain ways right, but then yeah. it gets to a point where it is their piece and and it's really important just to do the best version of, of what their vision is. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's about staying true to what's on the page a lot of the time and trying to understand, get in their head what, what they're writing and what, why they want to write it in this way and just and do the best presentation of that possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Scott, you were in the first part of the 306 trilogy, which is arguably some of the trickiest music in Scottish musical theatre, I would say. How, what was your experience with that? Oh, it was, uh, I loved it. I totally loved it. And it's the thing of, um, not dissimilar to what Claire was saying, it's the, it's the thing of being part of something that is uh, discovering itself for the first time and something yeah. that's being made around you is quite, uh, it's very, it's really inspiring. And I think it's it's those little gems that you, that get, gives you a bit of fire to keep, you know, it's like, oh, this is why I do it. This is why we yeah. do it, right? Um, 306 was a really, it was a really, special thing to be part of and particularly working with Ollie and Gareth as they were writing the first ever part of it with this trilogy in mind of it it was it was really and also for us at that time we were kind of we moved on to uh I think we were on like our like our fourth or something piece that we were writing together Claire and I were writing together and Mm -hmm. it was the thing of going oh this is cool like the, the language of what songs possibilities are within storytelling are growing or certainly like like or they're being a bit or or they're being discovered in a different way and Mm -hmm. and taking a a kind of story about that has the sort of weight and and uh you know i I guess like importance as a story like 306 was it it was nice to see the choice being song as the way to deal with it and Mm -hmm. a way to connect to memory and emotion and uh and all all of that being part of that as an as an actor uh was really cool and it it just totally in, inspired me as a as a writer i'd say that with with all the projects we do um not together um the really inspiring they're so much ones. better than the ones <laughs> <laughs> that, that we do as a pair oh sorry say. sorry i thought it was... oh you finish I, each other's sentences i know so so it's too it's too much isn't it um yeah no i was gonna say they they can be the most inspiring for bringing what we've learned all that experience back into our writing yeah um so i think like you working on the 306 and i worked on the second 306 uh, the music so is is wonderful i think and i i just I think it only makes you want to be a better writer or go away and 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 write you know that night or something and that that's yeah. really uh, exciting when you're in projects like that yeah that's true because and it also reminds you that this uh, discipline that you've devoted yourself to is 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 wide open and is is you know forging new ground all the time and yeah that's exciting that the 306 exists i think oh, i think I th- it's really important yeah, yeah. for scottish theater it's yeah. that thing as well as when you see love it when someone comes in with an idea and you're like I did not think of that that is re- that is really exciting because you you yeah. I think when you're either part of or witness something that you go I didn't imagine that being possible mm-hmm. it's very inspiring and it, and it gives it gives you energy and it gives you time and pause for thought and all of that stuff and I and I suppose when everything you know like work can be so 
uh, frantic and it's all about keeping momentum and stamina and keeping busy and and all that stuff actually having moments to that that stop you and make you think about either the craft or, or that stuff those are actually the things that give you the, the juice to keep going you mm. know like those special moments it was definitely and that project was definitely that yeah yeah now i won't ask you such a silly question claire but scott do you read music i i do just like but like really slowly you know like like it's like an ancient language to me like you know like i like i can read it just at a slug's pace every good boy of me <laughs> that's what i'm that's what i'm like that's legit how i read music right, okay. yeah, yeah although i do like i've gotten better because I need to see it all the time. So, like, I, I have gotten better at you it. You also do play the accordion sometimes, so... Yeah, emphasis on... <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and not play. <laughs> not play. You pick it up occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally. And occasionally I walk around with one dance on. Around ah, and yeah, okay. Yeah, and act. Yeah, 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 yeah. Act like I play it. The actor That's musician the accordion world is a... It's a tight and a fierce niche, so do be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know. Someone said I'm to me... I'm keeping my day. distance from you. Please like. do. <laughs> Someone said, oh, there's a guy that I was in a show with and he was Scottish and he played the accordion. I said, who is it? <laughs> because he will be dead by because, nightfall. Yeah, that's it. He won't last long. <laughs> As long as he's at least as far away as Dundee or something. <laughs> so you, did you grow up reading music, Claire? Um, yeah, well, I, th- I started, I mean, like a lot of people, I started playing uh, the desk and recorder in mm-hmm. school. I might, I might have been about seven or something. And then I went on to piano and clarinet. So yeah, I think from a young age, I've, I've always read music. Um, but I really admire people who have amazing years where they don't need to do that. I think I think it nowadays it doesn't matter whether you can or can't. You can, Not really. It no. doesn't it doesn't stand you apart. I don't think. Well, if you were going to write parts, you know, for a band or something, yeah, you'd need that skill, wouldn't you? But in terms of actually cr- creating work. You, not necessarily but a lot of people um and in a lot of theater you would have a team of people to do that as well so really i don't think it would stop you you know achieving what you wanted to achieve yeah, yeah. um i'm lucky that i i i enjoy reading music and, and writing and, and arranging and orchestrating so yeah, yeah. i like i like doing all of that just because i'm maybe a control freak but i enjoy <laughs> i i don't feel like i've finished writing it until it's orchestrated i think that's part of that's it. part of your job yeah for yeah, me yeah. that is but not for everyone i orchestrate but i do it on logic and i just go oh yeah but that's if, the same what if a clarinet went that's point. the more fun way of doing it not stuck on sibelius the whole day you yeah know? and then you hear it two seconds later and you exactly go, oh, that's terrible I'll change yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know before yeah, you write yeah. it down that's good so the most recent uh, project that i've been hearing about now i've not seen is my name is ben which is your latest venture tell us a wee bit about first of all this amazing story uh so this was a story we uh we read as uh it was an it was an article in uh the new york times and we read just that it was kind of one of those uh kind of extraordinary little stories about this this old guy who lived in new york city uh lived on east 74th street and was a kind of like beloved kind of member of a community there a uh, little old guy in his 80s known by his neighbors known by all the people that work there and stuff uh, but he couldn't speak so he was a mute and would communicate to everyone using a, a notepad uh, and his name was ben um and he was kind of a he he sort of helped a lot of people in that community there was a there was a, a two Colombian doormen that lived in the same street as him and he kind of taught them English using the notepad and all this stuff. Wow. Uh, and 
it's towards um it was 2015 he uh, got sick he he had cancer and went for an mri scan and when he like popped out the tube the other side uh, his voice came back he was just able to talk again it was this weird medical miracle that Whoa. happened and um but he was still sick so he he had a year of his life that he was able to talk and he, he passed away in 2016 and this article we read was this obituary about this kind of extraordinary guy whose voice kind of like randomly returned <laughs> so immediately you're like it's a musical <laughs> so musical. We, uh, well no, not quite not quite <laughs> but but it was enough to go i'd like to find out more about the story so we mm. went and met some of the people that knew ben and uh we met the the two doormen um and we started to learn a little bit more about his life before um uh, the the article that we'd read and it turned out he he wasn't always a mute he had a voice when he when he was younger he was born in like uh like farmland like iowa mm-hmm. um and he was a really successful young guy he was an architect very very uh very wealthy moved to new york really confident um he had a really sort of like difficult broken relationship with his family um and then there was a a pretty awful tragedy that kind of happened with his family as he was um in his late 30s that led to him sinking into like this really uh, horrendous depression and uh, eventually that led to the loss of his voice and he he gave gave all his stuff away gave away his money became homeless uh and kind of like reinvented himself as this like old man that couldn't talk and it was only wow. after we found out the the real story like the stuff about like what actually happened to him it was a bit like oh okay this is less about like a kind of odd miracle and more about just a, yeah just yeah. A, just like a, a guy that's mm-hmm. gone through extreme circumstances and how how do you how do you deal with that and um, and left such a mark on that community um, yeah. as well um he was a very special person to them and the way they talk about it and it's just all it's all true you know so you, it we would just thought we'd uh, we've never picked um a normal uh a normal whatever that is subject matter for a musical so i think our challenge with this one was like can we make a musical um where our lead character can't sing or speak that and is a challenge yeah. th- and that was the challenge and um Maybe we found a way to do it. So far, we'll, we'll so find. far it's yes, but um, and he's got to sing at the end, surely. Well, well that would be telling, though, uh, wouldn't know. it? You know, right. <laughs> can't give it all away. <laughs> so it turns out that the loss of the voice was—it was a psychological thing, then, presumably. Yeah, I mean, we we don't know um, fully. We have had to. We we think it is psychological. Mm-hmm. I think that is the only way to really explain how he got it back because it wasn't a physical medical thing you know yeah. going in the mri and coming back that that's our opinion yeah but and, and it came on the back of this this massive depression that the yeah, voice went as well exactly so, yeah, yeah yeah but i was hearing recently that if you've got um like if you're coughing and things not if you have an infection but if you just <clears throat> if you feel you need to clear your throat mm. apparently there's a psychological thing behind that so oh, oh, yeah. i do that all the time i wonder yeah, what that yeah, means yes. the throat chakra yeah and my friend who was talking to someone who does that type of thing i'm going to say very vaguely um she was clearing her throat and she said just tell me what it is get it out what's wrong what do you want to say she's like oh i don't know i don't know should you keep clearing your throat that means there's something in there so i wonder that's what happened to ben i've heard that i've heard that thing as well of that that you the audiences do that and and, and Mm -hmm. and like that's why that you get those like (laughs) 
it, like that's the, the, the one the, in the disease. One, apparently, it means they want to join in. Right. Well, they're not they don't allowed to. They as in like the like a, a no, bride of power. Sit there, sit there yeah. in the dark. That's <laughs> yeah. the contract. You we've will got. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. mm. What has your relationship been with audiences? You had you must have been able to chat to people after pieces that you've done and. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to chat to them, like in this development we've just done. Um, right. That's very much, we we want all that feedback. And um, yeah, I think it's been really good for the piece. It's always good to, it was the first time we had an audience up at Dundee Rep a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And just sitting at the back of the audience and kind of watching reactions, watching if people get bored when they start moving, if they start coughing, things like that. Yeah, yeah is so important um, when you're writing a show, especially this is a two-act musical, so it's quite a journey we take them on. And I think it's so important to to bring an audience in, you know, throughout the development process. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it, in in general, though, like, I guess the I, I get the little journey we've kind of been on uh, so far with, with just finding an audience in Scotland for new musical theatre in general it's like it's a really nice time to be making it because there's lots of people that are starting to want to develop it and it's whether that be uh directors or, or other writers or all, all of that stuff it's like we're starting to really find a, a a new form within within scotland because mm-hmm. we've had you know plays with music mm-hmm. be in vogue for so long and actor musicians and stuff mm-hmm. not and it's different from from elsewhere isn't it yeah totally it, I, I always found <clears throat> it was the first time that we'd ever started to work um not in scotland but it was the first time we'd been in the states and the response to like you know just any kind of slightly more stripped back sound or like or style of storytelling they're mm-hmm. like oh i'd say length of scene as well yeah. really yeah. length of scene yeah because i think maybe our structure is slightly more play with songs i don't know it's it's hard to to, to decide that but i think when we went to uh, new york and uh, one of our shows was on there it was it was like that was not a normal structure of scene to song if you know when you so what is that you've got more more scene. yeah our scenes are generally longer yeah before you would get to a song which i think is is common i think that's a lot of british theater actually i just i think in the states they have a faster yeah normally a faster structure there which is was interesting it was like we'd done something completely new which we hadn't we were just it was very like a lot of scottish theater you know yeah yeah where did your show go on it was um forest boy went on at the new york musical festival and that was kind of the first time we had a a piece um uh in the states and that was back in 2016 Yeah, Yeah, yeah 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 we were there for the summer and we learned a lot about how um American at the American theatre industry works and it's just obviously a completely different system Mm. in terms of funding and and getting shows up and and they they see it very much as a product um, to sell and it's different because we have obviously uh, government funding which is great for getting new work made yeah Um, and just very different kind of like outlooks on that but we have this thing of things get made (coughs) but then it's what happens after that That's, that's where we seem to stumble I think like I the Orin Moore, yeah. for example, produces a massive amount of work. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you go, oh, where's this going? Has it gone in the yeah. cupboard with all the other ones? I yeah. think, yeah, it's tricky that. It's the thing of, um, it's like there's a pretty visible glass ceiling a lot of the time to, to new work, that, but as, as a place to make stuff. And I think that's why we would, you know, yeah. never change that is that I, I, I just think 
Scotland as a as a, is such a there's, there's such a kind of nurturing kind of nature to the to the community that's kind of mm. present within yeah, theatre, yeah. and it's like the idea of like. Oh, I have this idea. Maybe it could be something. Mm. There's usually always at least someone to go. Yes, that I could will. Be a thing. That could be a thing. Let's yeah. try and make it a thing. But then once the thing's been made, it's then go. All oh, right, what do we do with the thing? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the. the I think we started to find quite interesting is, is we were talking about uh, Ben earlier on. Is that the, the the process of doing that is the first time we've kind of from the beginning gone right. We want to make it here develop it in the states then come back to make bits of it here and develop it in this and, and go and use the kind of resources and process of both countries because okay. there are absolutely massive pros and cons to both sides mm-hmm. and and, I, and it, it's been interesting to kind of go like oh okay that that's that seems to be working so far in terms of like uh, like nurturing the peace in the right way and uh it's like you know the rep took this particular stage of development the next part goes back over to the theater we're doing it with in connecticut and i think it's that thing of there's so many really you know wonderful pieces of storytelling and and work that's made within scotland that you you will to be seen elsewhere and and it's i don't know whether it's that we are afraid of going come and listen like i'm going to i'm going to go out and, and and let you hear this or there's maybe or it's maybe just not part of our culture to to allow that conversation with another country or whatever to happen but i think people want it to happen here i just don't think the plans put in place <coughs> um at the start of the process so it's just show will it, go on and on, then people yeah. might think about oh well what would we do next and then the momentum's gone so i think it's right at the start of, of making something to have that longer term mm-hmm. plan might be the way forward there so the next move for my name is ben you're going to connecticut with yes it. yeah and what happens there um so it's opening at a theater called good speed musicals um in connecticut and that is in may next year um so does that mean that this two-act musical has to be finished it absolutely has that? to be finished by then <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not long because you're going to rehearse from what february um march mm. yeah yeah, yeah exactly twice, yeah. yeah yeah it's happening sorry um, to be so specific when i no, not at all no the pressure is it's just good that it's an audio medium and you can't see the sweat pouring off of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's its first production um mm-hmm. you know in, in the states and it yeah, we've been working on it on and off for about a year and a half. So it's been quite a long, we've had to be very patient with this one. Yeah. Because yeah. normally I would say, you know, you're writing something and then the next month it's on. Um, in, That's in the way Scotland. we do things. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you're writing quickly and, and you've not got long to wait until you've got an audience in front of it. Whereas this, we've waited a year and a half to put it in front of an audience, which we did a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then again, we'll have to wait, whatever it is, eight months or something for, for the production. So it'll be about about two and a half years since we started it so it's just it's just interesting like some how some project projects can be so so quick and then some you have to be really patient with mm. and this is one of them and also this is an american story mm-hmm. so you're writing for american voices yes. is that a new experience um yeah i suppose i've never yeah because we knew it was yeah i mean we, we have had uh, american uh, voices sing forest boy but that certainly was the other way around it was like it was written Mm-hmm. Um, for for kind of Scottish voices to sing, and then they came in and did their American thing with it, and mm-hmm. we got used to it. Whereas this one, I suppose we know it's set in New York City. We know what that needs to sound like. Um, so yeah, we did always have that in mind at the start for this one. 
So have you got some New York manager uh, consulting on it? No, no, you got to <laughs> talk about bagels more often. Well, they do yeah. like often like, and they're, they're pretty blunt. Like, so we have a we have like a dramaturg who's on this project with us, who's from the theatre in Connecticut, and she'll just be like, "Yeah, like people just like don't talk like that, honey. <laughs> people don't speak that way." And you're like, oh, they get quite okay. bothered by that. Don't yeah, I know. They? They're like, do you not know how we talk? And I'm like, you think I sound like I come from a fairy story? So <laughs> like, you know, like it's uh, it, it, but yeah, there's they're pretty strict about kind of, and also just like certain like certain words and certain like turn of phrase and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah you just go like oh wow we really do speak differently you wouldn't yeah. know that you need them to tell you you know some, the, so some that's little good. details yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. despite the fact that we're constantly fed american yeah yeah yeah, yeah. tv podcasts movies yeah you know we still have our own nuances and see Isn't we're clinging on to them we're good. clinging on to them we're not americanized yet but not you also completely. had to write for two colombian characters in this and that's another challenge yeah that, that was a whole that was a whole other uh latin box of worms of course uh, yeah because then it's all too easy to just fall into stereotypes. exactly and that's, that's no use to anybody yeah and I, th- I think it's the thing of going what was useful about those two characters actually is like you said earlier on is we met them they're all real right. people yeah so there's like lots of having recordings of them and stuff like that is uh is really useful when you're uh, getting speech pattern or or, yeah. or or anything like that but there is a weird sort of odd pressure in going mm. like wait you're a you're a real guy and i've i've, I've met you you I'm know and you. it's like how do we yeah. do how do you honor that a, a bit and i think part of like claire was saying it's been a slightly longer process and part of that's just been the 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 kind of circumstances of developing it also part of it's been being able to dissociate yourself with the fact that you know and have met and want to honor these people that you've uh, Mm. had these kind of interactions with and then also being able to go it needs to exist as a piece of theater in its own right and the narrative needs to work as a a thing that isn't overly sentimental to those people and is more about is more about what it is that we want to say as 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 writers so so yeah, it's, but it's I think that time that we, that we've had to develop it's been partly as well for us to kind of get less it, it'd be less about like that article that we first read and more about okay what is it that we want to say with his story I guess yeah so you let it grow and so that it's not you're not trying to do a puff piece that's just you know honouring this lovely old man yeah yeah totally that's easy done but yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. so. At some point, and in my experience, you have to um, listen to other stuff and watch other stuff that isn't related so that you don't go completely mad. Sure. What is your, do you have an escape type of music or something that you, you know, go to that isn't related? That isn't related. I mean, so I'm a big film uh, music uh, buff. I collect that. I'm one of those geeks who collected them when I was at school. Uh, what, DVDs? Have you got loads of DVDs? No, like soundtrack albums. Oh, soundtracks. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Claire like honestly sit and read a film score like as it's playing it's weird oh it's i love it though and it's probably why i got into composing so i would i would you know go and watch a film and listen to the score anytime Mm -hmm. um and i would probably pick that over an album (laughs) because i'm a geek but um yeah but I'm, i'm trying to think have you heard woodkid no Go and listen to Woodkid's album. We had that on the other day. It's just great. Big, but also it's quite symphonic as well. So it's all... So that works for you. Uh, uh, yeah. Anything big and epic, you know. But that's the the thing is that we do these things that we think are like hobbies that aren't related and actually they're they all, all tied are. in with what I we're know, doing. I know, I yeah. know. What do you do, Scott, when you have to not work? 
if there's any time. Video games, man. Oh, you're a video game person. Proper video game. Like, I, geek. I, yeah. It's all a mystery to me. I was staying with Richard mm-hmm. Conlon. He was on my show a couple <coughs> of weeks ago, and he plays these games. And I would just, I would annoy him because I sit and ask questions. <laughs> what is she doing now? Why is she yeah. doing that? Yeah. You know, Don't no get idea. in the space when it's happening. It's like, scary. It's uh, yeah. what do you play? Well, I have a P. I mean, I have a PS4, and in the minute I'm addicted to Spider Man, which is like you know, it, it's. There's moments where you're playing it and you're like, this this is better than anything I'm going to see in my real life. You know? <laughs> like, what I'm seeing right now is I, better than anything I'll witness in the real world. I thought it was going to be the you opposite. Know. I thought it was going to be, there's moments when you're playing it and you're just like, this is ridiculous. No. What am I doing with my life? No, no, not at all. Nothing like that. This is amazing. <laughs> it's weird though. It's like, as a, as a medium though, it's just become crazy about story like it's it, like like video games in general now it's just like narrative and 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 trying to think of a way for the player to experience a story in a different mm. way and stuff it's uh so i guess although it's kind of not not quite as obviously geeky as you with like mm. film scores it's totally the same thing of of just finding stories and 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 getting hooked into them and mm-hmm. and and then every so often you know having a superpower or two yeah well you throw that in for good yeah. measure yeah yeah totally it's just like a bit of pepper inside right also video game music is it's got um really amazing now as well like yeah. it's it's That's symphonic and it's like yeah and I, I believe it's the most lucrative form of composing really at the moment yes um so we should all so get into video game compositions <laughs> the moral of this yeah the, yeah win the wrong job <laughs> well, jingles i mean you could write a jingle jingles. couldn't you uh, yeah i've I'm never sure written a jingle. jingle i think i'd find it really hard how would you like sum up something in like eight seconds i think that's hard in four notes four notes yeah exactly i don't know but yeah that, i think that's where the money's at yeah it's the sure. jingles and the voiceovers isn't it jingles and voiceovers yeah or voicing the video games that's a thing that a lot of actors are doing now yeah. oh and it's becoming like it's like big names that are doing it yeah. now. It's like a big deal to be like in a video game. But you have um, to go in a studio and be like, ah, and then do that four different ways. Ah, yeah, ah. yeah totally. And, and then come like, here, come back. And, <laughs> and, and it's the thing of like, but literally sounds like a dream job. Like that sounds amazing. I think it's the thing I think of it'd be go- really frustrating. I think after like, a while you'd be like, ah. Oh. Okay, so you've been punched in the ribs now. How's that? How does yeah, that sound? But slightly higher yeah, on the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds a bit like you're constipated. All right, okay, right. Right, let's Cut, do right, let's do have lunch. Cut another take. <laughs> you do... I have big questions about why am I actually doing it? Who's it for? And all that mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, do you find, because you're creating your own material, are you, are you picking your audience? Are you saying this is who this is aimed at? I think we've always said we've tried to to write a piece that um, on the whole is universal and and, and not gone out for like a specific mm-hmm. you know age range or or category. So if we've written a um, a children's piece, we would want the adults to find something in it, you yeah. know, as well. Um, yeah, I get. I, d- I, d- I don't know. I th- I think what you what you're saying about like you sometimes question like what it. Like why? Like why are we doing this? Yeah. And like what? What's it all for? And all that stuff. And I think it is. It's. I think we've always gravitated towards whether it's. I think particularly pieces that we've written just the pair of us. It's always stories of, like ordinary folk that they have a wee bit of extraordinary in their life, right? And that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. is what the basis of like about ninety percent of all theatre is. Just like it's like ordinary folk that experience something that's 
slightly not every day. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or maybe it is something every day, but they experience it in a way that is slightly extraordinary. And I think yeah. I, I, I do. I think sometimes just allowing uh, allowing an audience to, or allowing anybody to come and sort of view view a kind of story through that lens and kind of come out going, oh, okay, maybe maybe there's the potential for for some extraordinary in in my life, or mm-hmm. or you know, and I think it's like it's it's tiny and it's not. I feel that sometimes you know uh, the the power and the the responsibility of certain theater or or you know or any art in general like we were talking about theo sex earlier on and the weight of that remembrance is is massive and and it's an important statement and it's and it's you know it's it's a vital thing that we that we talk about and remember but then likewise i think i think it's really important to offer just a a, a tiny little place of escape or a tiny little moment to kind of reflect on what's what's going on in, in, in the everyday. Like the thing about Ben's story in particular where we got drawn into it is the guy's just an ordinary guy. Like he's yeah. just like um he's just an old man, but for some reason, you know, enjoyed listening to folk and enjoyed and it's the simplicity of of certain messages like that, I think the the they can move and they can change but not in an overwhelming way, not in a way that's like, and now the world's different and you, you know, this is, yeah. everything's changed. It's, it's about like, okay, maybe you leave the theater, maybe you say, you know, thanks to the usher on the way out. Maybe you, you, you chat to the taxi driver a little longer or whatever that is. It's tiny, it's incremental, but it is a, it's a force of, it's a force of change for the better. And I think that, we, I think we live in like it's a super speedy, fast-paced world that we live in at the moment, more more than mm-hmm. more than ever. But it can sometimes be quite a slow bleed in terms of like a story effect in someone's life. It might it might take a while, and that and that's okay. And but I get and I guess that that's the why you do it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of going. Oh, I'm affected by this, and I'd like to share that. And I, I think getting to see that see that response and changes i suppose the reason why right yeah definitely i think it's <laughs> thank you claire <laughs> i'm so glad you didn't yeah. say no not at all that no, would, everything you just would have said been an amazing moment to go like no. nah man <laughs> what he said what he said <laughs> claire are there any musicals like famous ones that we'd know that you wish you'd written west side story that was a quick answer i just think it's the best i think it's still not been outdone and it's still relevant and the music still hasn't dated i just think it's a perfect musical yeah scott oh um i do i do i mean i do agree kind of with wesley sorry about um probably like to say something different Disney movies, man, they're mm. just like I know there exist their old stories and and you know and a lot of the groundwork's been done for them in advance, but actually the treatment of like 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 Aladdin or mm. Little Mermaid or something like that, it's like the use of song in particular so good, like oh, so Menken, isn't so it? brilliant. No, it's no. like th- these are the things that live on uh, beyond having seen it, and I think yeah. I, I do kind of go, oh man, to have done one of one of those must be must be pretty cool. Although they're all getting like remade now, like live action. Yeah, I worry about that. I know. Beyonce I know. is Nala. Is she? Apparently, yeah. Oh, Lord, 
Um, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, they changed the time signature of the title song. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. But they changed quite a few they things. They kept that adding were... bars. I don't know what yeah, they were they doing. Yeah, they did. That's right. The arrangement, it was like doing a bit too much with it. Yeah. Like when we just all wanted just to hear the song. It's just in four, isn't it? Da, 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 yeah, da, I remember that actually. Were, yeah. It was like an arranger to. just going too mad with it. Yeah. I think someone had been paid thing. to do to change Basically, something. So yeah. I better change it. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, Most people yeah. wouldn't notice, of course. That's what's annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's even more annoying. I remember that. And there's only a select few having a miserable time ah. watching it <laughs> plus the auto tuning which obviously oh, uh, yes. yeah, ruined my life oh, no. uh, i think i'm over it now though <laughs> <laughs> well noisemakers thank you for coming to my wee house and making some noise with oh, me thank you oh, for it's asking our pleasure thank you for having time. us episode 50 yeah. noisemaker making a wee bit of noise for um, I remember when I used to teach uh, music, sound and composition and things, and there's always this discussion of, you know, what's what's noise, what's sound, what's music, you know, where are the boundaries? And uh, I used I made up this rule. I don't know if it's any use, but I say it to young people whenever I teach them. I say, remember, any noise is good noise. Even if it's bad noise, it's still good noise. And it's, <laughs> it's a weird thing to say. But sometimes when you've got a group of young people looking at you and they don't, want to do anything because they're scared of making a mistake or embarrassing themselves i try to reassure them by saying you know even if you make a bad noise it's still all right because you made a noise so there you go noisemaker that's my link to that 50 episodes and and counting and i've got next week's ready or just about ready for you and i'm excited about that one too um i won't tell you too much about that and then of course 52 marks the year and I'm going to mark that in a special way um, if I can. I've got I've got some plans. I've also got limited time as you can imagine but uh, once the show opens here in Bristol I'm hoping I'll have a bit more space uh, to do my thing. To go walking, to um, do things that don't involve work as well. So walking in cinema and things like that but also to work on the show and to bring you a very special one year anniversary gift so thank you very much for listening thanks for being part of this journey do drop me a line if you've got comments if you've got ideas for guests whatever you think and remember pit cc pod on twitter or brian at putting it together cast.com and don't forget my sponsors are popopandamedia.com who do website and logo design and they did that for me very well if that's something you're looking for give them a wee check online So, until next week, episode 51, uh, all that remains for me to say is cheerio now.